Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, about to get started up in the coming weeks here. And Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Hey, Bobby, we're live. Yes, another, we are. Another late one. We maybe, we maybe could have skipped this one. No, I, I had fun watching that game. There was a lot to talk about. I think uh, there was some interesting takeaways out of that one, namely from everyone's favorite point guard, wasn't the hot take on Twitter tonight that this was going to be the breakout game for Jeff Teague. It might have been the game. Who said it was going to be a breakout game? I saw various people say that. I'm not going to call it any names. but I I feel like this was more of a let's see if Teague can perform a little better with the starters than he's been, but like more of like Teague's last gasp rather than like anybody thinking this was going to be something special. So – they put him out there in crunch time. They were looking for other options throughout the flow of the game to play that point guard spot. I'm surprised they got away from double big and just didn't throw three forwards out there and allow Tatum and Brown to play make in right. the final stretches of this game. But they were looking for that guard. Carson Edwards, wasn't it? Tremont Waters, bless him, had good stretches in this one. I thought he played good defense and passed well, and it was a big part of that comeback stretch that ended up tying this one with some nice playmaking in the fourth, but he went one for eight from the field. Tremont Waters is a lifetime G leaguer um, and great, you know, pat on the butt for effort. That's great. If this was youth league, everyone gets a quarter. That's fine. Tremont Waters shouldn't be playing for this team, any meaningful minutes at any point in time, but this is what happens. Look, you're out smart Pritchard, you know, that's how it's going to go. You're yeah. out this many players, smart Pritchard, Kemba, you got to go deep. So that's what they did. And so this this game, if it proves anything as we get to Jeff Teague, he's a horrible defender, at least on the stretch of this game. The defense was horrible by him. I don't, but- think, this is the, I don't think this is the Jeff Teague victory lap game. I really don't. Like, who cares? Like, Jeff Teague is bad. He's a backup point guard. He's not. Jeff Teague is Jeff Teague is very likely cuttable once they if they find anybody else either in a trade or a buyout market. I'd be stunned if Jeff Teague finishes the year as a Celtic. I just don't think he's 
interesting enough to talk about at, at any point in time. I really don't. The, well, I think is, it slams the door shut on anybody who thought he was going to be a potentially impactful rotation player. And he was bad last year. No one else in the league wanted him all that much. They were able to get him on a minimum, and it worked for about a night. And ever since, they have not yeah, been able to Jeff get anything Teague from him. Jeff supposed to be veteran presence to come in, maybe run with the second unit, get you a bucket or two because you don't know who else is going to. That's the extent of what he should do. He's your eighth, ninth, or tenth guy at best. So the fact that he's fallen from ninth or tenth to like 11th or 12th is not a tremendous development. I really don't think so. This is a guy who wasn't counted on doing a ton. It was a veteran guy who's played well in the past, and you roll the dice to see if he's got anything left. I just don't think the Jeff Teague thing is that big a deal. He's not a guy you're going to count on. Like, he, he fell behind Pritchard in the depth chart like 10 seconds into the season. <laughs> I mean, he's he's so That's far true. better. When you have when, when everybody's healthy here, there'll never be another Jeff Teague conversation again because he's just not going to play any sort of impactful minutes. This was just one of those games where they've, they're down three guards, so you're playing two guys who probably aren't good enough to be in the league right now or you know, very fringy players. I mean, neither Teague nor Waters – they're barely rosterable, let alone guys who would be playing 20 minutes so a game. I, I, I think you make a good point there. When Peyton Pritchard comes back, those minutes would funnel to him. Yeah. But at this spot, you would probably still see Teague play some minutes. And I don't like him being that next option in the starting lineup as he's been for stretches of this year. It's probably cost him some games trying to force some minutes to him and try to get him going. And I get that Steven's saying that he wants to keep everyone involved and the veterans get the edge and all this different kind of stuff. I would have gone with Tremont Waters in the closing stretch of this game, or at least Tristan Thompson. So played, I, Tremont was in there most of the most of the fourth until the until very near the end. Yeah, and then it got to that final stretch there where it was tied. He let Fox get by him. Tice had to come help, and then Holmes ended up scoring an important three point play down the stretch of this one. So I like this was just a winnable game to me. I'm not saying that T's going to sink the team come playoff time. And he's still going to be getting minutes then, but. This is a game that I felt like the Celtics could have had. Tatum was playing at a high rate. They got their best game from Tristan Thompson. That's yet. what I that's what I would have led with, Bobby. He wasn't out there for crunch time. So I had to start with Teague. It was just so disappointing. I thought it was a dog that. shit night for everybody, honestly. Uh this was a low energy, low effort sort of night. Uh this was a going through the motions night. I mean, the fact that they had two 10-point leads and just let Sacramento just walk back into it. Well, Tatum was rolling. He was rolling at a high – almost had got his first uh, career. He was rolling, but he shot, he shot poorly. Um, you know, it was – Rob Williams. Rob Williams was good. Rob Williams was highly effective. This was – this game, if you're going to – if you're if I'm headlining the games, it's not the Jeff Teague bust game. This is the – this is the double bigs. This was, this was the best players on the court tonight were your bigs. Uh, and that was Tristan and Rob, I thought, for stretches. Um, those guys were the most effective and most efficient players out there. Tristan looked, as you said, a little bit more agile, more aggressive. Um, you know, uh, that So is that the story out of this game, that he's rolling that? Because he gets 13 yesterday. I, I, I don't even think tonight. it's close. To me, like, you know, I'm the producer. I'm rolling the graphics. The only one I loaded here was Thompson uh, so far, because I assume that's the first thing we're going to talk about. I thought Thompson was great. It was also his aggression uh, when he took Bagley um, to baseline or early in the first for the and one there, and he went right at him. Like there's just a he just looked 
definitely more purposeful. You he know? was looking for the ball. He was looking for the ball. He, you know, he, he was able to, you know, convert it. It's his second time. I mean, he didn't miss a field goal last game, seven of nine tonight. That's kind of what you want. You need a guy who, when he gets the ball in and around the rim, is able to score it. Um, you know, if he's in tight or he's got good position, he gets the ball in good position. He just wasn't doing that early part of the year. So to me, the Thompson was by far the, if this is the Thompson you get for the rest of the year, this team's way better off than we thought. That, that to me is the biggest headline off of this game is this felt good. Again, he wasn't asked to defend an actual big uh, and we, we, we got to see whether or not that's something he can do. Um, but this was a, this was a super encouraging game for Thompson. I thought, yeah, and Rob too, Rob in limited minutes when he was out there, he made a huge impact. Yeah. Disappointed. He didn't push toward 30 and that's what Brad's done when he's had a hot hand at center. He's, let those guys roll into the fourth quarter. He probably wanted Tice out there, get some floor stretching going, and have a more wing-heavy lineup against uh, Sacramento's Heald. And, wow, does Buddy Heald look bad or what from a year really ago bad. when he was Holy fortunate crap. this team? <laughs> oh Not just – Let's take a quick pause. Imagine you're a Sacramento fan and you have to every single night look at Buddy Heald, who you gave that money to, and be like, God, jeez. Four years ahead. And then to have to watch Bagley do whatever it is that he does, knowing that that's going to go down as one of the worst draft picks in history and you knew it almost immediately, and just have to watch his mediocrity on a night-in, night-out basis just has to rip your soul out. I can't I can't imagine for as – Fun and exciting as Fox is, it must be so freaking depressing to be a fan of this team. If there's any of you out there, uh, feel free to tell us how depressing it is. They know. I, I've talked to Kings fans over the years, and the depression set in years ago with them. I was talking during I, – I was broadcasting during the game, and I was thinking of worst franchises in the league in my lifetime. they they got to be at the bottom. Oh, yeah. They were great probably around 2001 when they were battling with the Lakers out in the West. And ever since, it's just been missed draft pick, misused star. And you hope that De'Aaron Fox, who shut this game down in the fourth quarter, great pull-up jumpers, walking to the lane for a three-point play, all that kind of stuff. Just a great closing effort. Tyrese Halliburton won the first rookie of the month out of this draft class. So uh, I was going to talk about Tyrese as well because I think that – I want to so get like there. that. There's glimmers of hope there, but there's also stuff dragging them down, like healed, like Bagley, and these other guys that they've missed on. Yeah, the um, and I do want to talk a little bit about the Kings because once again, you've got a team like Sacramento, you know, coming in here, and it feels like a TPE audition as well. Harrison we Barnes, about, great game. Yep. We talked about Barnes. Actually, he wasn't as efficient as he normally is, um, but he played. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. He, How many free um, throws? Felt like he was at the line a bunch. Yeah, I thought it, what's funny is uh, you look at the stats and he had a much worse game statistically than I thought, but um, he was still good. I mean, he, he you know he had a little cold stretch there, uh, didn't shoot the three ball really well. But this is, again, this is a guy you're talking about bringing in here as your fourth option. It's just whether or not you're willing to pay those $20 million that he's going to be due for the next couple of years. Um, but that's all he's going to be. If he comes to this team, he's a fourth option. Um, and the question is, does that work for you? you I mean, we don't get to watch these guys a lot. You watched them for an entire game, Bobby. What, what were your thoughts, your impressions? I, I, I mean, I, 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 not just offensively, but defensively. He's a good slasher. I think he defends the wing positions well. He rebounds. You saw he can pass a little bit tonight. 
this is the high end of what you would want out of that. This DC. is the highest end talent wise that you could get off of it. And you would have to pay for it. The highest end of the talent spectrum is him and Gordon. If you're looking at those two guys, who do you think fits this team better? If you were to go on the high end, because this is a team that might want some picks, you'll have to dump a few picks in here to make it happen. Um, but these would be the higher end guys on the talent spectrum. I would think. So Barnes has reached his ceiling. These are his best career numbers so far. Gordon, I think, still has room to grow. So that's the question you asked there. They're both signed for multiple seasons, which is ideally what you want out of this TPE. Barnes is a little more expensive. So if you want to save a few bucks, you go Gordon. But it's essentially even, these contracts both ways. So Barnes has won a championship. He's putting up numbers right now. He's healthy. Gordon, of course, is going to miss six weeks, and he's been injured throughout his career. I think you'd rather have Barnes. If you just want a sure thing who's going to walk in and help you and be a role player that you can rely on, there's just one part. I know he's he was at 44% coming into this. A 1 of 7 night's going to drop him closer to 40. We all remember that 2016 finals when the Warriors blew the 3-1 lead. He was open again and again in that corner, and he just kept missing. It was one of the worst three-point shooting performances in a finals I can remember. That's the worry there. But still, when you add up all the options of a TPE, he's at the high end of it. He's locked up. He'd be a manageable asset into the future. The question just has to become, you're probably picking between a guy like him and Marcus Smart at some point when it comes to contract time for Marcus Smart. But I think ultimately they're going to have trouble keeping Smart at that time no matter what happens. So you want to make the most of this year. You want to make the most of next year. And adding an extra wing who's a 10 to 20 point per game scorer and a defender like Barnes, it's a no-brainer to me. Now what's it going to cost to get this? Are the Kings going to be bad enough to want to give him up? Right now, they're 10 and 11 and have won five out of six. What other contender can take that on, though? That's the question. What other contender can bring, take on isn't already paying to the max? Uh, what? Who has the flexibility to take on someone like Barnes? Maybe the Heat. Possibly Maybe. the Raptors. Not many, though. Yeah. And, and you're looking at I. You might be looking at a couple of firsts. I, I don't know what it would take. Yeah, I, that's the capital that the Celtics have right now. And I have said that I'd give up three first rounds for Gordon. I guess I'd say I'd probably go in a similar direction for a player as good as Barnes. I mean, this is a good starter in this league. And some nights, a great one like tonight. I thought he was pretty great tonight. So if you can get that as your fourth or fifth option here, and you're talking about a starting lineup of Tatum, Brown, Smart, Kemba, and Tice with Barnes as your first guy coming off the bench, that's a really good team. And it can allow you to play more like this team ultimately wants to play. Because, John, I was thinking this during this game. You look at the way that the Celtics are playing with double bigs and crashing the offensive glass a ton and giving up a little more on defense than they want to. I don't think that's who they want to be. I think it works. No, for right they now. love being that three wing team. You know, yeah. they love I, that. They, I mean, the whole the whole thing was built off of this switchability, having guys that can defend a whole bunch of different positions there that are really tough to defend. Um, their length clogging up passing lanes, like just they were a really hard team to play against. When you had those guys out there, they were big, they were athletic. It was really, really, really difficult to play against the Celtics. That's what they want to be, Danny. 
Danny's been salivating over wings his entire life. I mean, if he can get one, I think he's going to try to get one. And and we both wanted Hayward back. I don't think we think Barnes is close to Hayward's level, no. but he's close enough. I, where- I want, and I, and again, to go on the record, I wanted Hayward for the overpay. I was willing, you know, I I would have gone where I I'd rather go Hayward for thirty million for the next three than Barnes twenty million for the next three. Oh, Bobby, I lost you, buddy. Lost Bobby. We'll filibuster here for a little bit. Once again, Celtics lose. We're talking TPE because this game didn't have a ton going on with it. Going to bring Bobby back. Technical difficulties. Bobby, you good? Yeah, it looks like I am. Okay. Um, anyway, I, I would have rather paid overpaid for Gordon um, than... Uh, but if you, if you can bring back a percentage of Hayward's production... At ten million less, I, I think it's a little bit of a no-brainer. It's the right. It's it would be the right play. So again, I I like it. Um, now let's let's see how bad the Kings can get to where. Do they start selling? Do they start saying, "All right, we're better off going to the bottom than we are fighting for that playoff position"? It's going to be a thin line along that playoff line this year. I mean, think <laughs> when you start to think, John, that twenty out of the thirty teams are going to make the playoffs this year. The sellers are going to be so few and far between this year. No, I get it, but it's not just that. Like I said, it's everything is a matter of fit. Like what can one do? You got to take into account big trades have already been made in the league. You had a lot of movement before the season or early in the season. So like a lot of the moves have been made. So at this point, you're going to cross some teams off the list who are going to be able to do anything more than some bargain basement moves, bringing in guys, five and 10 million, some buyouts, things like that. I, I don't know how many blockbuster deals are out there. I, I, I don't know. No, and I, this one's probably not a blockbuster. I'm trying to think if, if we were going to put a package together for this. I, I think I'd go in a similar direction where I'd be willing to give up more picks to make this happen, but I'd also want to see the Kings take some money back. Now, what would that be? Would it be an Ojale? Would it be... Tristan, maybe, depending on how that continues to go. We'll see. But I, the roster would end up being packed in a way where I'd like to subtract a little bit of salary from the Celtics and another roster guy. And they'd have to anyway. They don't have a roster spot right now to take Barnes on. So I, most of what they'd be giving up here would be picks, and I think they're in a good position to do that. When you start to think of J.J. Redick and – some of the other names that have been thrown around there for this TPE, you'd rather go all in one dive on a quality rotation player like Barnes over, you know, multiple fringe bench guys. Yeah. And that's the thing is where it's going to be a while. It's amazing. After every loss, this dominates our chat. It's what do you get to fix it? Cause I do think people see this and that's the problem is that's why these games are so hard to, um, analyze because what are you going to take out of this one it was an so-so game from brown and uh tatum uh, they played fine they didn't take it uh, you know uh, uh on their shoulders and and dominate here as as maybe they could have you had no guards playing in this game it was just a weird game so every time you lose you're going to look around at these we talked about it last game you look around at these crap players coming off the bench and say we need something better, you know? And so that's why the conversation is always going to go here, but it's just not coming, you know, it's not coming right away. Everyone's going to have to be a little patient. Yeah. All our concerns preseason came to fruition. Kemba, I think looks better than, you know, some of us thought he was going to look. 
So that's that's a little bit of a you know, passive, pleasant surprise coming out of our preseason concerns. We might have even thought he wouldn't be playing at this point. So I think that's the positive side of things. But they look awkward in terms of the amount of bigs that they have on the floor still to this day. They're worse defense than they should be. And part of that's them being an offensive rebounding team more than a transition defense team. I mean, the team we see right now would have got smoked by Toronto in the second round last year stylistically. So more than they're missing a bench guy, they're missing a fifth starter. I think they're missing a guy who can shift them back to what they want to be stylistically and what they want to be on the defensive end of the floor. Like I just look at this group right now and I say their defense is too bad to be a finals team. And their offense probably isn't a top three to five group to make up for that. And typically you like to have a defense be in the top 10 of the league if you want to come out of your conference. And the Celtics are going to have to do that if they want to get through a Brooklyn, if they want to get through a Milwaukee. And, you know, they're luckily in that class right now where Miami right now has fallen out of it. I don't know if they're going to be able to get back into it at 7-14. and I mean, you know, you say COVID, you say all the excuses that you could make for them, but seven and 14 is a massive hole. And so that's another opportunity for the Celtics. Maybe they don't have to go through Miami this year. Indiana has stepped up in that gap, but my, my point is... Indiana's having a really tough time without Warren and Oladipo right now generating offense. That, the, the, the offense has stalled a lot. Yeah, so we're talking about the Celtics being a top three Indiana team. Indiana feels like a decent record first round out to me, but that's that's, you know... Yeah, so top three team in the conference already. If they can get closer to being what they want to be stylistically and Kemba gets right, they're right up there with Brooklyn, I think. Yeah, you got to get, you need a little more firepower to get there. Um, you know, and uh, and so they got to do something. The The team as is, again, uh, and some people are asking, why aren't we mad as, as mad without this game? And again, I'm saying it because they played without a point guard. I'm Even a little mad. Point- I'm more mad than you. So I'm to me, you know, I mean, you know, full disclosure for everybody watching before this game, when we found out all of these guys were out, I was saying that um, cancel the show. Yeah. Celtics should have punted on this one entirely. Play the kids, <laughs> take the loss, do a little load management here and um, and just let Tatum and Brown sit. That's what I would have done um, and just not waste it. It's a long road trip. This felt like an easy one to punt on. Uh, take the L and no big deal. No, because you got LA, Phoenix, and Utah after this. You don't want to go one and four in a oh, row. They did. Yeah. They, they lost it anyway. So they did. But I'm glad they gave it a shot. And I think they did some good things throughout the course of the game that could have got them that finish line uh, with a victory. But they threw Teague out there in isolation on Fox, and he just got torched to the heavens. Yeah. Could Tatum, could Brown have done a better job in that spot? They probably had to stay they on the wings. tried Brown on him a little, and and, and 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 Fox went around him like he was standing still late in the game there. Fox is tough to stop right now. He's fast. You can't, it's hard to stay in front of him. And so this, you know, we talk about the frustrating aspects of this Kings team, but they are an, a talented, excellent team. I don't like their coach. Wasn't that something? One second on the shot clock. They probably got a little more time than they had there, up three. And they just give it a Holmes to launch a 35-footer over the basket. That was weird to me. And then Grant makes a nice play to tip it off the rim and get it to Tatum. Tatum seemed a little shocked that he caught that shot and just threw up a little bit of a prayer. So they were in position to win this. They fouled a ton. The question is, did Brad have a timeout? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't think he did. Yeah. 
anyway um anyway I, I, it's hard to maybe it's just because it's late and i'm tired um, I just couldn't get mad about it because I just thought it was a, it was kind of a shit game. They should absolutely have won it. It's just this is gonna. Be, I think just fans have to get used to this. This is gonna be a team that's going to kind of flounder no a bit until it finds its rhythm heading into the playoffs. And home court doesn't matter. There's no freaking fans. And you just want to stay. You just want to stay out of the playing tournament. You just want you want to stay out of the playing tournament, and the chances are you you might be playing the playoffs in a bubble anyway. We'll see. But the um, this is a team that's going to feel it out. There's no urgency behind the regular season, so they're going to take some regular season losses from time to time. Again, the reason I always feel good about it is it's you've got Tatum and Brown, and we've we've you know we're very clear they're championship ready now. So guys come back, guys get healthy. Romeo Smart. Kemba continues on development of Rob. Maybe you get something out of Neesmith and that TPE. You could be looking at a team that's totally different than the one that you're seeing right now. And that's really all that matters is kind of the last third of the season, I think is really going to be the key here. What kind of basketball are they playing right now? It's just really hard to pass judgment here. Like you can make, you can make some assessments right out of the gate. Tatum and Brown look great. Terrific. You know that. And they're and they're a level above where they were playing last year. Anything beyond that, I don't think matters greatly. Uh, it's all gravy to me. So, um, you know, you know it, it sucks to just say we'll see. But in many cases, I think we're going to have to wait and see. Well, my sentiment with the team right now is they're constructed, is that they're not good enough and they're too awkwardly. Right now, it's probably not. There's too much on Tatum and Brown and there's limitations around them and all this stuff. So it brings me back to our TP conversation and our personnel change discussion. And what, what goes back to, frankly, the missing Hayward spot on this team? They have to make a trade this year. I don't know if it's going to be Barnes or something more marginal on the edges, which wouldn't be too exciting and probably wouldn't be all that impactful if it's like a Reddick-style move. But they need to make a move of some sort this year. Are we still talking about back to Isaiah Thomas that they haven't made a midseason deal? And it made sense in recent years because they had this thing where if they were able to get fully healthy last year, which they were never able to, they said, we can bank on that. If Hayward, Brown, Tatum, and Kemba are all together, this team's a final team. And maybe if things break right, a championship team. And the problem with banking on being healthy, which I think is something you could probably do to a lesser degree with this team too, say if we're healthy, we can get there, is that you're probably not going to be healthy in the playoffs. So how can you set yourself up to have some depth to sustain a loss in the playoffs if Kemba's not there, if Smart's hurt again, or you know, God forbid, Brown or Tatum? I know they'd probably be dead at that point, but make a deal this year it's still too early i know the market hasn't gotten that far along yet and you know we've all talked about what the playoff structure of this year is going to do to the trade market but they need to make a deal of some sort to shake this up to get the team closer to where they want to be take some pressure off tatum and brown and maybe add a guard to the mix i don't know what it's going to be ultimately i'd like a wing more Guard would be my second choice. A lot of people have thrown around bigs like Bagley and Drummond and those kind of guys. That's last on my list of uh, what they need right uh, now. Like I said, I'll roll with the three bigs they have now. If you're better elsewhere, it- if you're better elsewhere, you'll be. You're, you, you, that's going to matter less. So if we're ranking what's good about this team right now, you go one Brown, two Tatum. You know they're probably one and one A, and right behind them is the bigs. The bigs have been fine. 
on the whole, I think the bigs have been pretty good for this team. And yeah, then- I mean, look, smart is smart. Um, you know, he uh, when he's here, he's fine. Uh, and uh, Kemba's just kind of working his way in. Um, so we'll see. Again, Kemba's incomplete right now. Uh, why is everyone so mad at um, Brad Stevens? <laughs> That's how it – who are you going to blame? I, I, but I, I can't, I'm losing my mind here. I am not – you know me, Bobby. I am not a Stevens apologist at all, at all, okay? I think absolutely – I think uh, 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 a Celtics fan mentality that he's a beyond reproach and – you know, in Brad, we trust, I think is a little bit overblown. I think he deserves, you know, scrutiny, not not necessarily criticism, but he can be talked about like anybody else. Nobody is untouchable in terms of, you know, talking about whether or not they're performing up to expectations. But the anger, I don't understand the anger towards Brad with this team and these players and these he, what is he supposed to do? He can't conjure better players to come in off the bench. Like this is the team. It is at this point. It's an it's an imperfect roster that's right now decimated by injuries. What is it that people want Brad to do? I don't understand. And I'm not a Brad apologist at all. I just I I don't get where it's directed at him. I didn't love the Teague decision down the stretch tonight. That's my one gripe with him here. I, I would get have gone it, to Thompson a little in, more. Tremont had been in for a while. And you, you, I, and I do think, I mean, he'd been in for a long while. And so he tried to go back to Teague when they needed some offense, I guess. But I mean, what are you second guessing here? Taking out one really bad player for another really bad player? Like he's really, really stuck. He's stuck and he's done good things to make up for it. I think it be people this- are mad here and I'm seeing the comments. I think people are just, they want to see, we've talked about this before. They want to see the chair throwing, you know, they yep. want to be. They want him to get a, they want to see him more fired up. And he's called to see he called out their defense very early in the year often. And he called out the team as a whole for not being where they need to be. And they've gotten better. They're 10th in offense, they're 12th in defense, they're eleven and ten with a pretty tough schedule early in the year. They've taken advantage of the softer portion coming into tonight, and now it's getting hard again. This, I, it really is all here. I do not think these guys should get more minutes. I, in fact, wanted to sit them tonight. Okay, like, yeah, you can't do forty plus minutes every night. And he can't talks do about it. that. These games don't matter enough to play these guys. They're gonna but die. A lot of people think he's soft, and some people again. I, I see this a lot from Julian. Uh, you know, who's here every night with us. Thanks for. Thanks for hanging, but I Rob I, played more. I, we've done this all week too. Rob's playing more. He played twenty minutes tonight. Yeah. So like he's doing things to sustain this team and protect Brown and Tatum from injury and wear and tear and all the stuff that could impact them later in the season where they're really going to need them to carry this team while trying to keep other guys in the fold. Find contributors. You know they found Grant Williams this week after he was lost. I thought he was decent again tonight. Uh, Rob is getting more involved as we want him to. He has shifted back to Tice and gotten some good play out of him. The trust in Tristan paid off this week. Uh, so, like, what, what else has he done? This is like, what I keep saying it all comes down to, and, and Bobby, you said it earlier. If you're going to talk about where you're satisfied with this team, and again, Brad's starts, done a good job. This it starts year. with Brown and Tatum, and we know that. The, the second thing is, and you said, the bigs are the second best team, a second best unit. I don't know if that's true. What I do know is they're fine. You don't have to worry when they're in the game. They're fine. Okay. 
What what is a problem is whether it's Grant or Semi or Javante or whatever else you're bringing in there. Um, nobody likes any of those guys. You know it, it, they don't. You're not excited for Semi minutes or Javante minutes. You know you're just not. They want some Neesmith, maybe. I mean, and everyone I tr- is I trying for Neesmith minutes because he's the great unknown. But the reality is he's not the answer either. So and tonight's a night where you needed some more guard playmaking and stuff, and that's not what he brings. It's so, not what he brings. It's not you needed a guy to distribute to run the offense, not to stand in the corner. You know, like the Neesmith wasn't with nobody to get him the ball. What's Neesmith supposed to do here? You know, and what it, what, we all said this over the offseason. Who's more to blame for the position the team's in right now? It's Danny Ainge using six, 16 draft picks in four years, signing Keegan Thompson, which Agreed. looked like he held too many assets. And again, last year, Bobby, this year, uh, me, several other people were all in favor of trade four for one, you know, like making all of these picks was a disaster. The 2019 one was the real nail in them because that team had a chance to win a championship in 2020 and they didn't have the veteran pieces or the reliable bench contributors to do it. Yep. And 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 then again, so I I did want to mention him because it was interesting. We had... um, you know, and uh, those guys are still here. And that's my point on the TP too, and the potential for trades this year. Not only do you shift this team from being a big, heavy offensive rebounding team into something more wing oriented and what they want to be defensive team. You want to shift this from being a team that's too young to a team that has a good mix of vets and young contributors. You know, you want a PJ Tucker, if that's an attainable thing, you want I Harrison want Barnes. No, no, I'm just, I'm not saying him specifically, but a veteran. A veteran like who's I, a reliable contributor. Like clear on PJ Tucker. I, I I know people love him. I don't understand it. Good shooter, great defender. I get it. I, get it. I just think I think he's just like much like Tristan Thompson. You're going to get a version of him that existed in your mind a couple of years ago that isn't re- that isn't there anymore. Uh, he, he's not my TP guy. I would just trade a contract for him, right? And just bring him in, and you know, have him be a guy who flips out a young guy for uh, for a veteran. So, I mean, that would, I think my point is this team needs multiple moves. Like it would be Barnes and uh, maybe a rotation four and a guard. So like ultimately I think they're going to need the big TP prize. It's a lot of needs. It's a lot of needs. Well, don't they need them? I mean, their, their rotation has a ton of holes right now. It does. But again, I'm looking at, and again, I think people are mis- misunderstanding what I'm saying. Romeo. I don't think Romeo comes in and saves the day. What I'm he saying. deserves a chance. I believe he deserves a chance to give you some useful minutes that are right now being eaten by people that you don't want in there. And we said this last year when Romeo flashed a little bit, okay, at at times in the bubble, that like, can he be trusted to play those off the bench wing minutes ahead of Sammy or Javante or one of those guys. All you want him to be is better than those guys. That's it right now. Anything beyond that is gravy, but he can defend the position. And if he can find any of that scoring touch that made him this blue chip, all American recruit, you know, coming out of high school and heading to Indiana and he's healthy. You there's, uh, there's hope that he can be, a useful player. There's no hope with the other guys. They are what they are, and they're going to be what they're going to be now and forever. That's just it. You just have to live with it. I give him the chance to be better than last year, which isn't a high bar, but that's still miles and miles away from trusting him as a rotation piece in the playoffs. Right. So 
if he plays good, it'll be a nice addition. It'll be some hope. They still have two more years beyond this to develop him. But I don't want him being the first guy off the bench in the playoffs at wing. I don't know whether he's the first guy off the playoffs. All I'm saying is you'll feel slightly better about your rotations if you're, if Neesmith starts to play better, if Romeo comes in and he flashes a little something, you'll feel better about those guys getting minutes than you will about the guys who are currently getting minutes is all I'm saying. Maybe and when marginally. you have your cards out there um, and, and you're, you're fully rostered, you'll feel better about the whole team. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, in general. That still might not be enough, but it'll be better than it is right now. Again, if even if I imagine this team fully healthy – is it going to be a revolving door of four centers and trying to get them all minutes? Is it going to be going huge because that's your strength and you just want to outsize the muscle teams instead of, you know, putting wings out there who are susceptible to getting burned and don't give you much on the offensive end. They're just trying to squeeze in positions right now and put the best players on the floor, regardless of fit and shuffle the deck and all this different kind of stuff. And they're constantly searching. And if they keep piling up injuries if guys are still moving in and out throughout the year, that's going to be tough to manage. And it's going to be tough to uh, get the group of five that they had out there a week ago. I mean, it feels like three weeks ago now that they had Tice, Brown, Tatum, Smart, and Kemba out there against San Antonio. And we saw how sloppy that looks. So even when that comes back together, it's going to take some time for that group to gel again, to get their feet under them. Like this, this team's not only at its full strength, far away from being stylistically where they want to be, when they're this hurt, it, it takes time for all those guys to get integrated. So this team, like, they feel like they're months from becoming what they ultimately want to be, even if this is the rendition of the team that they're, they're going to carry it's forward. Soft. And people here killing them. It's a soft – they're playing soft right now. It's a soft team. Uh, the defensive effort isn't there. Um, it's It looks like they're going through the motions a little bit here. It looks like they're waiting for the same thing you guys are waiting for, which is – it to matter a little bit more, the team to be a little bit more whole. Um, it's it's not but guess, a but guess who started to change that a little bit tonight? Thompson. Tristan. Back to Tristan. Before we close, because I think Tristan is worth revisiting. I did want to mention, um, you know, I do feel when we talk about consolidating picks and moving up, last year you had Hero. You couldn't get up. You couldn't get one. You couldn't get one spot up to take him, even though he was your guy. And we know that he was their guy, and they wanted him badly. And Halliburton feels like it's this year's version of that. You uh, said it was gonna be. And 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 you liked him. A lot of people liked him. A lot of people thought he might have been the steal of the draft. He went two picks before Neesmith was taken at fourteen. Again, you wonder, was that possible? Was it possible to get to climb to get a little bit higher? Um, to get into a point where you consolidated some picks and some assets to get a player you actually really wanted. Um, And I don't know if that's the case. I do know, and it's well-documented at this point, and and we might have overblown Hero a little bit last year. I do know they wanted Hero desperately last year, and the air went out of the room when he got got taken um, the pick before. And so I feel they felt like there was a tear drop from Hero to the next players. and I think Halliburton is another case of that, and he went two picks earlier. And you watch him play, and you're like, wow, that would be a really useful player right now. And so the the question will always be, could they have moved up? And the answer is always going to be we different were depending on who you ask. Yeah, and, people, We were close. 
like the Celtics will say, oh, we offered everything for the hero position in uh, 2019, probably. And then even this year, if it doesn't work out and this guy ends up being a grand slam, you'll probably hear we wanted Halliburton and we just couldn't move up those extra few spots. It makes me think of this Miles Turner situation as well, because in recent weeks, it's become less clear whether or not he was actually available because of the fact that Gordon Hayward had to accept the trade. And Hayward came out in his interview, of course, and said, no, I was never interested in the Pacers. Is that just Hayward saying, I always want to be Hornets and now I'm a Hornet now and, you know, I never wanted anything but? Or is that actually the truth and the Celtics could, could never have Turner because Hayward was never going to be available in a trade for one of those? Like, it's I so, think Hayward was absolutely excited. And Zach Lowe said on his podcast, he was ardently in belief that the Celtics could have had Miles Turner if they wanted to. I, I, I believe I, Zach Lowe. I, I think that that – I think – there were enough people all saying that to the point that it felt like it was, you know, it, it was pretty believable. Um, and so I, that brings me back to hero. If they put up all of their picks at that time, including the three ones that they used in this most recent draft to move up to get him, could that have worked, you know, six or seven first round picks? Maybe, maybe. So Halliburton feels like that guy this year. Um, so we'll see. And so, I don't and I don't disagree, Julian. I do think we overrated the hell out of him. I still think he's a lot better than Javante Green and Semi Ojale. So um, oh, there's, there's this question too, though. Uh, and Bernadoni has pushed this often because guys freak out about the Desmond Baines and the other guys that teams have gotten, like Memphis. Uh, we talk about Brandon Clark often. They've gotten minutes and run and shots in Memphis that they wouldn't have gotten here. Yeah, but you're looking at there's four or five guys at the tail end of that draft that are actually playing uh, very, very uh, – and these are guys taken after – obviously after Neesmith, but also um, before – you know, like you have Sadiq Bey, you have Precious for the Heat, um, you have uh, Maxi, uh, you have Quickly, you have uh, quickly is going to be one that teams are shaking their head at for a while. Oh my goodness! So quickly, how many Kentucky guys have slid through at this point? Quickly's a revelation. You have a few of those guys there. Keldon Johnson just killed the Celtics a week ago. He went late in the first round two years ago, and those guys were all there in the in the in the late teens, early twenties. You know, the Celtics uh, passed on Johnson twice. Another wing, another yeah. solid defensive scoring wing. Yeah, it's Kentucky like teams just got to. Take all the Kentucky guys. Forget what they did in that one yeah, year. Bain, Kentucky. The other one you mentioned, Bain went last, right? The Celtics picked Bain and used Bain him to dump Cantor. Right, yeah. Or Poirier. Yeah, they used him to dump Poirier. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have room for him. I'm you not freaking never out say about that, that name one. again. You just, you're just, it's just not something you're able to say. It's Vincent. I'll use Vincent. Yeah. Call him Vinny, Vinny Sex Pants. Uh, one more thing tonight. We've talked about players getting back into the fold. Do you, do you expect? Payne Pritchard just hit the ground running here Friday or Sunday, whichever day he comes back. I do. I feel pretty good about it too, but it brings me back to Teague, which I started the show with. He blew by Teague at the beginning of the season. If there's any bumps in the road for him coming back, does Brad still lean on Teague a little bit here just because he likes the I don't think the there's any question. It's actually, I like, I like knowing that he's out there now that Kemba's back too. Um, we haven't actually seen that really. So it's, no, it's actually – now, now all of a sudden you go from a, from an area of weakness to a potential area of strength where you feel good with, you know, with, uh, you know, when Pritchard's out there, you know, controlling the offense with the ball in his hands, 
Um, so I, I'm looking forward to it. It's I, I think they've missed him a good bit, actually. I'm wicked excited. And, yeah. you know, I, I pumped up Tremont Waters in the past for doing some of those things that Pritchard did at a higher level. But even Waters tonight did some things on outlet passes and other things that got you excited because the offense just started moving a little bit. And he didn't have a great game, but it was nice to have a guard in there who's going to move the ball with some urgency, defend a little bit. It's just like Teague just looks so – Ready to retire. Doesn't he, he does not look at all interested in playing basketball. Yeah. At all. It's like at he, all. At his all. career is over. Yeah. He looks he looks like if he weren't doing this, he'd be doing nothing. And it's weird because he's getting minutes and opportunity. It's not like he's sitting on the bench all the time pouting, you know? Like I just no. I don't understand it. He doesn't seem yeah. He doesn't I didn't seem- I didn't like the signing. I, I just didn't. He was so flat last year too. It's not like he was playing well last year and he now was, he's falling all, off the cliff. I, I think again, you get caught with the name. The the thing with Teague is he was a Celtics killer. So you get you get caught remembering. <laughs> Does you, Danny do that? I was thinking about that earlier. A lot of teams do. Thompson was the same way. You, you and, I play against you, and you're like, man, I want that guy. A lot of teams do that. And Thompson said uh, at a recent press conference that he did that he had heard for a couple of years that the Celtics wanted him and that part of the reason was that he would always kill them. And, you know, Tatum started texting him last year and stuff built up in a way that I think like guys on the Celtics side, whether it was players or front officers were like, wow, this guy's destroying us in the middle. Maybe he can do the same for us, but ultimately he doesn't get to play the Celtics anymore once he's in the Celtics uniform. But yeah. I, I think my patience is paying off with Tristan a little bit. Teague's done. I think that signing's out the window. At some point, they might have to move on from him to open up a roster spot. But Tristan looks like he can still be in energy, rebounding, and possibly defensive. I saw some signs of it tonight. And a guy who turns up the energy in a way where the uh, Kings weren't defending the paint at all. So he took it to that spot, and he started attacking them there. So that's the story of tonight. Yep. I get why people are mad. They had a chance to win this game, and I didn't love the lineups down the stretch, and that can irk you. But you just have to keep thinking about the big picture with this team, and this one really didn't matter yep. all that much. All right, real quick, we'll let everyone know. Again, Manscaped, you can still get in on this action. Press past 20, 20% off your first purchase, um, and you get uh, free shipping, which is good. So go get yourself some. Uh, grooming for the new year, Lawnmower 3.0. You've got... Um, you know, some some fresh underwear, uh, a carry-on bag. You got powder, you got spray, you got cologne, you got the whole package here for your package. Press pass mm-hmm. 20, 20% off your first purchase, free shipping at manscaped.com. Make sure you get in on that. Uh, we do have the clippers next. That's kind of cool. Hey, uh, that fits. Manscaped clippers. Yeah. Um that's always fun, you know, these games. You know these guys love getting up for the superstar sort of games. And you you know Jalen and Jason want want that George Kawhi, you know. They, they know that conversation gets had all the time. Are they as good as those guys? Who would you rather have? That's what it always becomes here. So this is one of those games where you know everyone's going to be up. Um, so, I, I, you know. I'm worried. I'm worried about that one. I mean, Clippers are playing great, but this is one of those games where it feels like Celtics play up to the level um, of the competition. This feels to me like a moral victory. You know, it could be a narrow loss, but I think they're going to play well. I think Tatum and Brown can do what they need to do to match those two wings, and they're going to have their hands full defensively with those two as well. But I'm also worried about a Lou Williams, a Patrick Beverly defending 
Kemba could be a big problem for Kemba. Uh, Serge Ibaka and uh, Ivaka, there's another name, Zubac, are phenomenal centers for that team. I mean, that group, they've given the Lakers their run already as well. And they look like a full-blown championship contender if they can just get over their own hump against the Lakers. And Yeah, I mean, the consensus right now, it's a three-team race between the Nets and the two LA teams. So that's my point. That team's on another level. I could see the Celtics game destroyed. Those guys seem to be in that kind of upper stratosphere. Um you know, just a just a just a little level above, and I think Milwaukee can get there too when they when they get their shit together. Um, but that's you know, you, you view that as kind of there. You wonder whether the Celtics can get there, and I think they can, um, but they're not there now. So uh, we'll see. But we'll be back for that. We'll have a fuller cast of characters. We believe for that. We're gonna get uh, at least Jimmy back. We might get Jimmy and Joe Sway back, and we'll all be here Super Bowl Sunday um, for. Is that the Jazz? Suns. Suns, then the Jazz. Right? Yeah. Scary triple threat ahead of here. The, all yeah, those no, teams are lot, really good. Sees, there's going to be – it's fun. There's some some good talent here um, that we're going to get to see. And uh, that, that Clippers one's an ESPN game and the Jazz one's a TNT. So We're here for all of it. We'll be back Friday. Like I said, Fuller House for Friday. We may have all four, if not certainly three of us. Everyone's here for Super Bowl Sunday. Prior to the Super Bowl getting started, you get your fix on with the little Celtics uh, Celtics post game. Why not? Um, and then uh, and then we'll close out that trip. Then then I'm going on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Then we got to take a break. I got school vacation. I, school vacations coming up too, Bobby. I might have to take the little one skiing. So we'll figure it out. But uh, we're Jimmy back. And on Joe Friday. Sway. They got some work to do coming back from this. That's right. Yeah, They're on their own. They're on their own. <laughs> Jimmy Joe Sway. The Jimmy Josue Nick show. Okay. You're not going to have Bobby and me arguing with each other anymore. Um, that would be an interesting trio. <laughs> I thought we were going to get Nick at night again tonight. And then 10 or 11 uh, 15, he checked out of my broadcast and I knew he was hitting the hay. And Josue continues to tweet throughout the night. We'll be seeing his tweets until 3 a.m., but no words on this show. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm looking him up right now. When was Josue's last tweet? Josue Pavon. I'm curious. We said we we said those were the rules. If you're tweeting, you're in. 28 minutes ago. That's within the show time. Now, could he have made it to the end? I don't know, but I would have liked 15 minutes of Josue. I would have taken that too. He's tweeting. He's tweeting the press conferences. Um, oh, Josue, forsaken us. Anyway, I'll uh, get him back. Yeah, thanks, thanks for hanging, Bobby, um, and thank you guys for hanging with us. We've still got some work to do. We're going to pop into these pressers here, um, and so we'll have a bunch of stuff going up on YouTube. Um, subscribe if you haven't already. We'll have a bunch of things going up on the site uh, as well, so check that out, um, and then we are back on Friday. So, again, thanks for hanging, everybody.